0: I want to tell you, it is a crazy thing to think that I have had on my calendar for months preaching Revelation 19, 7 through 10 today, which is about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, how crazy is it that my oldest son, Weston, decided to propose to his girlfriend this weekend I mean our house has been in celebration mode is really cool. We had so much fun Friday night when he proposed and gathering together and so for me personally to stand here in front of you today and talk about the marriage supper of the lamb. I feel like that God's provided me this personal illustration of the celebration that centers around the marriage supper of the lamb and I kind of want to invite you into my story. As we look into Revelation 19 verses 7 through 10. So let's look at Revelation 19 starting in verse 7 and 8 this morning. Revelation 19 verse 7. Rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. Because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come. And his bride... Has made herself ready. And it was given to her so that she might clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So this passage begins with this encouragement, this command to rejoice and be glad and give glory to God. And there is an amazing reason. For our rejoicing and our gladness and our willingness to give glory to God. This is the vision of the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the feast, the celebration of the fullness of redemption. And we're seeing in Revelation 19 a vision of that very thing for which we all are waiting. This is the moment. For which we were created. In Genesis chapter 3, God told Adam and Eve that the seed of Eve would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. Jesus Christ crushed sin, death, and Satan on the cross and through his resurrection. And he crushed the enemy so that he might rescue sinners through their faith in him, forgiving them of all their sins and granting them eternal life. This vision is the reason that God told Eve, your seed will crush the serpent. In Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham, in you all the families on the earth will be blessed this vision Is the fulfillment of that promise the ultimate blessing of all of redemption plan? This is the moment when Jesus Christ rescues his bride and pours out on her the fullness of perfect redemption promised long ago to Abraham that his descendant would be the way of this blessing. This is the plan of God seen in its fulfillment. This vision of the marriage feast of the Lamb is to bring forth from our hearts unbelievable celebration because we are beholding what will come. There is a day when Jesus Christ will come back for his bride and he will usher her in to eternity in the fullness of redemption just as he has promised all throughout biblical history this is the day for which we were created now some of you remember that this last summer my daughter was married and so all spring and summer our family was in operation wedding mode and we were planning and preparing for the wedding now So much of the wedding preparation, as you know, has to do with the bride making herself ready, right? The week of the wedding, like I'm clueless, okay? This is my first go-round as father of the bride. The week of the wedding is pretty much every day centered around making efforts to make the bride ready, for her to make herself ready. There's a team of people involved in this process. And they all want to get paid, right? <laughs> and the day of the wedding was all about the bride making herself ready. Well, the day came and all efforts went in to the bride making herself ready. And when the moment of the wedding ceremony occurred and she was ready, Her groom was there to receive her in all her readiness. And it was so joyful. It was an amazing celebration. We ended the wedding ceremony and we went straight to the reception, which was unbelievable. As the father of the bride, I'm biased, I know, but I'm telling you, this is the greatest celebration I have ever experienced. It was awesome. I was so excited about that moment. It's an amazing blessing now Malin my daughter she made herself ready for the wedding but I provided everything for her to make herself ready (laughs) we bought the dress we bought the jewelry bought the shoes we paid for the hairdresser not even going to tell you what that cost Unbelievable, we provided everything for her to make herself ready, but she had to make herself ready. Now, as I mentioned, Friday night, my son proposed to his then-girlfriend, now fiancé Hayden, and we are now in wedding preparation mode again. But this time, I'm not responsible for providing for the bride to make herself ready. Thanks be to God. Her family has to do that. But there's going to be a date set. And there's going to be preparations and provision. And there's going to come the moment when the bride has made herself ready. Because her family has provided everything she needs. And they will be married And I will look at them like I looked at Malan and Micah in that moment of celebration. And I will say to myself, they were made for each other. This vision in Revelation 19 is the vision of the marriage celebration of the Lamb of God. A vision of Jesus Christ rescuing his bride. And ushering her in to redemption. God has provided everything for the bride, the church, for you and me. Every ounce of righteousness that is needed to enter the marriage supper of the Lamb is provided to us by God by way of Jesus Christ. Death and resurrection received by us through faith in Jesus. God has provided everything for the bride, you and me, to make herself ready for this marriage feast in the righteousness of Jesus Christ being offered through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ loves the church such that he gave himself for the church. And it's through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection that he, by his word, is sanctifying, cleansing the church. So that he may be able to receive a pure and spotless bride ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus Christ loves the church. He who is life chose death that He may bring life to those who otherwise would never live. He who knew no sin became sin, our sin, so that we might receive the righteousness of God and be ushered into eternity. We who had no hope and no relationship with God experienced the gift of Jesus Christ so that we who formerly not the people of God could become the friends of God. Jesus Christ loves the church and he's provided the very garments we need to wear to enter in to the wedding feast of the lamb it's his righteousness that he has given us but the bride needs to make herself ready The righteousness of God has been given to us through faith in Jesus Christ, but that righteousness should be appropriated in the way we live before Christ so that we might be found, having made ourselves ready, righteous in the sight of the Lord. We must give ourselves to following Christ because He has given Himself that we might follow Him. We must give ourselves to pursuing righteousness because He gave Himself that we might receive righteousness. The righteousness of God should be working itself out in us because we are the bride of Christ and we know that we must make ourselves ready. God has provided everything we need to make ourselves ready but we must be prepared. You think about it like a rowboat with two oars. One oar is the provision of God, gift of righteousness through faith in Christ. The other oar is our preparation, allowing the righteousness of God to work itself out in our lives so that we demonstrate to the world we are the bride of Christ the glory of Jesus Christ. If we are going to head straight towards the wedding feast of the Lamb while we wait for the return of Christ, it requires the rowing of both oars together, the provision of God and the preparation of the bride. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 say this so beautifully. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work his good pleasure. Be prepared. But in your efforts to prepare yourself, never lose sight that God has provided everything for your preparedness. We must be a people who give ourselves to the righteous deeds that help others see our groom, Jesus Christ. Jesus told a little story about a wedding feast in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 22. The story there in Matthew 22 is a story that Jesus tells about a king. A king sends out invitations, first class invitations to a first class wedding celebration for his son and he sends out the invitation to first class kind of people and these invitations for this great amazing wedding celebration go out and those who receive the invitation a hand delivered invitation personally delivered by the servants of the king indicating its very importance the degree of celebration that awaited. And the people that received these hand delivered invitations should have received the invitations and immediately given the only RSVP that would have made sense. Yes, we will not miss the king's celebration for the wedding of his son. We will be there. If the king has sent an invitation, we won't miss it. But the craziest thing happens the people who received the invitation. Hand delivered. Communicate to those who delivered the invitation, we will not come. It got so crazy that some people who received the invitation actually beat and injured those who delivered the invitation. Some were so violent against the invitation to come to the king's celebration that they actually killed People who delivered the invitation. When the king heard about this, he was appalled. How could people respond to my invitation to come to the feast that I had prepared for them to experience in celebration of my son's marriage? How could they do this? And he sent his army. And his army marched right into those towns and communities where those murderers and those people lived. And this army wiped them out and burned their towns to the ground. Does that sound familiar? And we just read in Revelation about her smoke rising forever. Perhaps Jesus' story about this wedding feast is not just a story about a wedding feast, but it's actually a story pointing to the most significant wedding feast of all. Jesus tells the rest of the story and he says the king wanted people to come and experience what he had prepared, what he had provided. And so he sent his servants out all over the place into the roads and the pathways where people were traveling to invite them to the wedding celebration. Have you ever been driving down Williams Drive or Highway 29 and see those guys out there holding those signs, advertising tax services or home builders or whatever? You seen those guys? wearing headphones now some of them wear headphones and i think well at least they're making you know those dancing movements and throwing the signs to a to a musical beat then some of them are not wearing headphones and i'm thinking something may not be right here <laughs> do you ever look at those people and wonder what is it what is possessing these people to do this but here's what they're doing they're standing out there trying to get people's attention to enter into an opportunity that they think is really valuable for when i see those people this is what i think about when I. Read Jesus' story that the servants of the king went out into the roadways and pathways and they were like holding up these massive signs saying, you are invited to the king's celebration. You. The invitation went out to everyone. Even those of the lowliest sort that you would think never would be invited to this kind of celebration. There's no way they could go. They won't have the right stuff to wear. They won't even know what to do. They're so out of touch. They were invited. Everybody was invited. And they started showing up in droves because of the invitation given to everyone. And when they showed up, you know what they discovered, much to their surprise? That the king had prepared wedding clothes for each guest who arrived. They arrived and they were able to put on the just the right attire to come into the king's presence and celebrate the marriage of the son. And the king noticed, and the guest had arrived, that there was one guest that was not properly clothed in the attire provided by the king. He had not prepared With what had been provided. And the king comes to that guest and says, where are your wedding clothes? How did you get in without the right clothes? And that guest had nothing to say. He was speechless. And the king spoke to that guest and said, you must leave. You only come into the wedding feast of the king of kings on the king's terms. An invitation has gone out to the world, to everyone, small and great. And there is only one way to enter the wedding feast of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. It's not through Church membership, it's not through your good deeds. It's not through your good intentions. It's not based on what you have or don't have. There is one way to enter the wedding feast of the Lamb, and that way is the King of Kings' terms. And his terms are that you must believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You must confess your sins to him, that you know you cannot clothe yourself in a way that you are fit to enter into his presence, that you need help, that you need forgiveness, that you need life that only he can deliver. You must decide you trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and follow him with your life, receiving from him what he provides alone, the right righteousness by which you can enter the wedding feast of the Lamb. And when you receive his salvation, you then make your life a life of being ready for the return of Jesus Christ. See, the date is set. We we don't know the date. But the date is set and the day will come. And so what we must do every single day is make ourselves ready like the date is today. Because one day Jesus will come and he will rescue his bride. Though the invitation has gone out to the world, the bride are those who have responded to the greatest invitation of all. If you've not responded to Jesus Christ and invitation that he has sent out to join him at the marriage supper of the Lamb, make today that day you respond to Jesus Christ. Don't miss out on the opportunity to celebrate the joy of life, hope and forgiveness. If you've made a decision to respond to the invitation, I don't want you to miss the encouragement that is found in in the remainder of this passage. I want you to look at this. Look at verse 9. And he said to me, write this, blessed are those who have been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are, are the true words of God. This is the fourth of seven beatitudes in Revelation. A beatitude are the blessed are statements. And those blessed are statements are statements that Jesus communicates what characterizes those who will be happy forever forever. So he's telling us, this is how you are happy forever. This is what you were created for. This is what will bring you soul satisfaction. This is what will fill you up inside with the degree of satisfaction for which you long. I don't know anybody who longs to be unhappy. Like I, I don't know anybody who sits there and thinks, how can I, how can I just... Live my life so that I could become more unhappy. People don't do that. You know what we do? We spend time thinking about and making plans for, spending our resources on, building our relationships so that we might be happier. We want to be happier, right? I mean, I want to be happier. I love happy moments, and I want more of them in my life. So do you. We want to be happy. And Jesus Christ right here says, happy are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. If if you want what your heart and soul longs for forever, then responding to the invitation of the marriage supper of the Lamb is the way you're happy forever. These are the true words of God. There is no other way to eternal happiness for which you were created. No other way. If you've responded to that invitation, look at verse 10. And I fell before his feet to worship him. And he said to me, don't do that. I am your fellow servant. And your brothers who hold fast the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. There are two things in verse 10 I don't want you to miss today. Number one, beware of idolatry. John, in this moment, falls down before this being and starts to worship. And the being says, don't do that, John. I'm I'm not the object of your worship. How could that happen? I mean, we've read all of this in Revelation up to here, and you would think that John gets it. It's not that he doesn't get it. I think there's just a warning here in seeing what John does. It is far easier to drift into idolatry than we ever give credit. We ought to be incredibly cautious to beware of the drift into idolatry and make sure that we don't move along that drift. So the temptation to idolatry exists in the world in which we live. We'll call that world Babylon, the world that is rebelling rebelling against God and the source encouragement for all idolatry. We live in that world, and Babylon seems to be on the rise. And some days, the marriage feast of the Lamb seems so far away. It feels like at times we live in the perfect conditions for the drift of idolatry. To slowly drag us into a place where we would do something that is absolutely almost unbelievable. That's what we see right here. But the angel says to John, don't do that. You worship God. Listen. We may live in Babylon right now. But because what God has provided for his bride, we can rest assured that living in the midst of Babylon right now is not supposed to create a drift into idolatry for the people of God. Living in Babylon as we wait because of the provision of God's righteousness through Jesus Christ is intended to create in his bride a readiness for the return of Christ. Living in the The difficulty and the challenge of Babylon is supposed to cause us to see our need for Christ, to cause us to see we must depend upon Christ and to move us to depend on him every single day so that we might not find ourselves drifting into idolatry because we live in Babylon, but instead we might find ourselves clinging more and more to Jesus Christ because of where we live and how much this world needs Christ. Do you see that? Jesus tells another little story about a wedding feast in Luke chapter 14 that just might help us to beware of idolatry. In Luke 14, Jesus says, hey, if you're invited to a wedding feast and you show up to that feast, be sure not to take the highest seat of honor when you show up at that wedding feast. Because if you take the highest position of honor at the table of the feast, It's very possible that the host shows up and sees you in the highest seat of honor and says to you in front of everyone, oh, that seat's not yours. And the only seat that's left at that point is the seat of lowest honor. And in front of everyone, you have to get up and walk down to that chair and sit there to your shame. She said, don't do that. That's not smart. Here's what you need to do. You need to come in to the wedding feast and take the lowest seat possible. And maybe, just maybe, the host will come in and see you in that low seat and will say, oh, no, you're not supposed to be in that low seat. You're supposed to be in this better seat. And in front of everyone, he will move you to the place of honor. Jesus says, the one who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You know how to avoid the drift into idolatry, humility. And do you know the invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb should be one of the greatest humility producers in our lives? If you've responded, if you've RSVP'd to the invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb and you are headed there and you are excited and you are celebrating and you are experiencing the preparedness, getting yourself ready for that day. If you've responded, then you ought to remember every single day you received the invitation to a wedding feast you never deserved to be a part of. You were invited to be a part of a wedding feast with the Lamb of God to which you deserve nothing. And God in his grace on the provision of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection gave you an invitation you didn't deserve. And if you received it, then you should live like you are in receipt of the greatest Gift of all and it should produce in you humility that protects you from idolatry, so beware of idolatry number two, proclaim the testimony of Jesus the the angel here reminds us that he is a fellow servant of John and John's brothers, those who hold fast the testimony of Jesus. Then he says this statement, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You think of the word testimony, and, and nearly every time you see that in Revelation, it has to do with a verbal representation of, Of Jesus Christ and the gospel message. It is a verbal witness to something. You see that word testimony and what we are talking about is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Both Jesus' words to us in the book of Revelation and then our words about Jesus to the world. Those who hold fast the testimony of Jesus are those who proclaim the gospel of Jesus through all that they do and all that they say. Those who hold fast to the testimony of Jesus hold fast to the testimony in a way that everybody that watches them, they know they're holding fast to Jesus because they've heard that these people are holding fast to Jesus because those people actually say it with their mouths. Do you realize that there is no other truly holding fast to the testimony of Jesus that does not involve proclaiming Jesus? Think about it like this. If you've received the invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb, you are now the source of the invitation to the wedding feast to the rest of of your world. The spirit of prophecy just means that we have received the invitation, are now the ones who go and invite the rest of the world. That's who we are. It's amazing. Jesus tells another wedding feast story that just might help us proclaim the truth. This is a story that's found in Matthew chapter 25. It's the story of ten ladies who are preparing themselves for the arrival of the groom to celebrate a wedding feast together with the groom and his new bride. And five of the ladies are wise and five of the ladies are foolish. And waiting for the groom involves them having lamps that they have lit and they have oil for their lamps. And they're waiting in the night, keeping their lamps burning so they're ready when the groom shows up. And the five wise ladies have their lamps full of oil and an additional flask of oil in case they are waiting longer than they thought they would be waiting. And the five foolish ladies, they just have their lamps full of oil. They don't have any extra oil. And sure enough, the bridegroom, he waits longer. He delays longer than anybody anticipated. And while they waited, they all fell asleep. And then in the middle of the night, a shout breaks through the night and startles them all to being awake. The bridegroom is coming and they all get up real quickly and began to tend their lamps and get them burning real strong and bright and all of a sudden the foolish ladies realize we don't have enough oil for our lamps to keep burning when the bridegrooms arrive and we want help Would you wise ladies give us some of your oil share with us And the five wise ladies say we don't have enough for our lamps and yours go to the merchant and buy some more oil that way we can all be ready for The bridegroom's arrival. And so the foolish ladies, they go off to get oil. And while they're gone getting oil, the groom shows up. And the five wise ladies, whose lamps were burning bright, were ushered into the wedding feast. And they celebrated. Meanwhile, the five foolish ladies get their oil and they show up at the door of the wedding feast. And they knock on that door and they find out there's no late entrance. They missed the opportunity. They were not ready. Jesus says, you do not know the hour, so be alert, be ready. You you wanna know how to position your life, proclaim the gospel? Here it is. Be ready for the return of Christ every day. Here's how I like to think about it. I want to make a daily RSVP that I'm headed to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Every day, I just want to re-up my RSVP. Lord, I'm coming. And today, I want to live like I'm coming. And so here's how I am going to work on and how I might encourage you to work on a daily RSVP. I want to confess my sins every day. I want to get down before the Lord. I want to confess my sins. I want to every day make sure I'm striving to take a step forward in repentance. I want to make sure that every day I am putting the word of God into my mind And I'm spending time in prayer around that word so that that word in my mind moves to my heart. So that through prayer and making steps of obedience, my life is changed and I'm appropriating the righteousness of Christ that's been given to me so that I'm a prepared part of the bride of Christ. I want to spend time every day making sure that I'm ready for the return of Christ. I want to walk with Christ in a relationship with Him, putting myself in a position to know Him and follow Him. And here's what I discover. When I every day make an effort to RSVP, to my invitation to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb because I've trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm much more willing to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ who's issued an invitation to them when i'm not ready when i'm not living ready you know what i don't think of anybody else you know what i do think of myself but when i strive to live ready i find that jesus christ and what he's provided for me makes me think less of myself and more for someone who does not know the savior that i know but i've got to spend time every single day making myself ready Blessed are those who have been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God.